This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. Several months ago, President Trump started talking about Tax Cut 2.0. Well, that idea may be in the works right now. A Washington Post report says that the administration is looking into a possible middle-class tax cut that could take the rate down to 15%. Trump's top economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, told CNBC that he has been asked to look at such an idea, but he would not commit, at least for now, to any specific new tax rate. We are currently joined in studio by Jennifer Bluen, professor of accounting here at the Wharton School, to talk about this idea of a middle-class tax cut and whether or not we will see it. Hi, Jennifer. Great to see you again. Likewise. Good to see you. Thank you. Uh, So when you hear Tax Cut 2.0... What what are your first thoughts? Uh, well, first, have we really figured out 1.0 yet, right? right so right. it's been a couple of years, and I still think we're still working through the kinks of some of that legislation, and now we're already talking about another bill in light of an election, and uh, it seems an awful lot going on. Yeah, and, and obviously I think a lot of people think that the driver of this is the presidential election, but as I said a moment ago, even if there was a 2.0 in play, You'd still have to get it through Congress, which obviously is a big question, and it probably wouldn't take take effect until 2021 at the earliest. Exactly, exactly. And there's uh, it's easy to say we just like to cut rates for the middle class, but there has been, as far as I'm aware, virtually no details about how that might work. Right. So clearly, sounding like an election ploy. So would there be? Let's kind of theorize this for a second. If there is some sort of move to lower taxes for the middle class, 15% is the number that has been thrown out there. The direct impact of making that move is what? Well, that's the really tricky part, because when they say middle class, how does that work exactly? The issue in the United States is we have something called graduated tax rates. That means the first 10000 is subject of income is ta- subject to one rate. The next 25000 is subject to a different rate, all the way up to the really high income levels, which are subject to the top rate of 37%. So if we want to cut a rate, does that mean we're going to cut one of the rates in the middle? And if that's the case, then an awful lot of that benefit will inure to essentially the the high income bracket folks as well, because they qualify for that lower rate. Or is it intended that this rate just trigger into some level of, uh, of group of individuals that have a certain level of income? Well, then that sounds more targeted towards the middle class, but then that adds a whole additional layer of complexity um, th- that seems it would be crazy to be able to administer that at this point. In and time. then a lot of people talk about the fact that that any kind of cut would at some point end up impacting the overall debt issue Ex- here in the United States. Exactly, and I think I think I what, what was missed about the the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of seven, 2017 is uh, if you aggregate up all the pieces that were in that bill, I believe seventy five percent of the actual benefits went to individuals. They went through the rate cuts. Um, they also went through this qualifying business income, which is any entrepreneurs or self-employed individuals benefited there. And I think that's often lost, right? So corporations did benefit, but a tune of about probably $340 billion of the $1.5 trillion bill. Right. And so that's, a, I, I think, you know, not sure I follow that, that issue, at least politically, because so many of the benefits went to individuals. Likewise... Uh, a thing to consider is most of those individual provisions sunset, 
which means they, they go right. away. Right. And so, uh, you know, net, I, I'm not sure how we would tease out exactly who gets what, right, if we add this rate cut on top of everything that's going on well, in the last bill. And the sunset part of it, I think, is something that, at least from the reporting that we've seen in the Post and in the other entities that are covering this now, that the sunset provision that's in there, 2025, is something that the president would like to do away with if he could. Uh, it, I, I agree that he would clearly want to do that, given that he's all for low tax rates, yeah. but we ultimately have to pay our bills. And so I think it's pretty difficult at this point in time to make the argument we could extend that given that we haven't seen the growth or the uptick in the economy that we need to help pay for the last tax bill. So then with with that 2017 bill put into play, what do we need to start looking at really to kind of, I love people have talked about, you know, looking at, at ways to refine the tax structure in general. Right. What, what do we, what do we need to look at? Well, it, it's, it's, what's our goal, right? And I yeah. think the goal is to ultimately goose growth in the United States in terms of employment and productivity and, 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 and attributes along that line. And what's really difficult to determine is what the link is between the activity from the last bill, particularly as it pertains to business activity and economic growth. Why? Because a whole bunch of other stuff happened when that bill came through. There were lots of different components and pieces. And so at this point, when we want to say, well, let's sort of look at the association between the corporate rate cut and growth, and what we've seen is people make the argument that we're, we've seen disappointing growth. Well, but remember, there was a whole bunch of other things you took away from companies, sure. and you significantly altered the, uh, you know, the international regime in a way that's creating a lot of confusion at this point in time. So I think a lot of companies are sort of sitting back and waiting till the next election to get to see if they even get to keep their rate cut. Right. right? And that's the expectation is that if, if we have a switch of administrations, that we may be looking at a totally different scenario here where the tax structure may be set in place, not only for the companies, but for, for high wealth individuals, which seemingly is an area that, that a lot of the Democratic candidates have talked about. Exactly. And, and high wealth individuals is also a little bit difficult group to talk about because if they're the owners and operators of small to medium sized businesses. Sure. Yeah. What? You know, are we hurting the business as well? Yeah. There you go. And I believe 50% of U.S. employment is by small to medium-sized businesses. So that's where it's a really hard to disentangle these pieces. And uh, you know, hopefully, politically, people will start to think about both sides. Well, of the and, coin. and I think that's part. Uh, you have mentioned it a couple of times, but I think it's a, a point to be brought up: is that there is a level that we have politicized this topic to almost the detriment of the country at this point. Whether you're talking about the actual numbers or not, the actual issue, I think, is starting to impact the United States in a, in a negative manner. Absolutely. it's You have to have this air of compromise, particularly when it comes to economic policy. And every time you change something, in the, particularly in the tax regime, there are winners and losers. And so depending on what side of the aisle you stand on, right, you you are, you know, essentially beating on the drum of the winners or the losers side. And that's not that's not going to set good policy. What we need to do is step back and say what we're trying to do is get to growth. Um, you don't want to tax productive capital is never a good thing for growth. Um, does that, uh, you know, does those benefits go to wealthy individuals? Well, they do, particularly to the extent that they're running businesses. But why is that a problem? Why, why right. should that matter? And, and I agree. That's where we've gotten to the point where it's so difficult to, to sort of constructively move things forward. And that's why we have these. It's easy to, to, to run on this in a campaign promise and people like that. But then we'll see the likelihood of it actually moving through Congress is virtually nil. Yeah. 
We're joined by Jennifer Bluen uh, here uh, from the Wharton School talking about this idea of a tax cut 2.0 that was uh, has been bandied about and was once again uh, brought up by Larry Kudlow uh, in uh, in an interview that uh, that he had done. I think it's it's interesting though going back to something you mentioned a moment ago that businesses did benefit from the first tax cut, no question about it. Right. But the percentage that they benefited from it, I think, it is is not being perceived as probably as you just laid out the actual numbers it sounded like you know probably what about 20% of the overall total benefit from the tax cut in 2017 went to businesses the rest of it went to other other areas. Well, and this is tricky. Went to corporations. Corporations, right? I'm sorry. So that's yeah. what we think yeah. of, and that's usually what most people think of when they think of business. They think of yeah. your big U.S. multinational enterprises or the publicly traded companies and thing. And, and those are the they receive the twenty one percent rate cut. Yeah. But in order to get that, they also gave up the rights to fully deduct their interest. They also gave up the right to freely use their net operating losses, which is a a way that companies, particularly in distress, um, gain liquidity, right, to sort of get themselves over the hump. And so there was a lot of give-ups in terms of credits and things along that line. And that's what companies wanted because they wanted the certainty of the low rate. Uh, but but net net right they're they're not overall you know the big winners under the I mean they're certainly winners yeah. but as a proportion right they were dwarfed by the the individual provisions and I would say the the uh, small business or the pass through right this is the qualifying business income provision that was about I think that was over four hundred billion dollars of benefit so right. that dwarfs right that's much bigger than what the corporations got on average and that is solely flowing through to pass through entities now there's a debate about whether that benefits the finance industry along that line but if you were to count just pure numbers of organizations that benefit from that i think the 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 numbers are going to go to you know privately held entrepreneurial type activities so this becomes a, a i think a very important time moving forward on the issue of taxes and where we are headed in this country. And as you alluded to, right now, it's probably not the environment to, to be able to get a significant <laughs> type of reform on tax done. One being because we're going into a political year. Two, just because of what we see between the House and the, and the Senate right now. Well, yeah, the president, you know, when you have the under the air of impeachment, right, compromises, too, yeah. not something that yeah. naturally is going to flow off between yeah. in the legislative branch. But, but that that that's I mean, and you've seen these these uh, presidential candidates have you know some very aggressive or new ways of thinking about how organizations should be taxed, uh, but but you know why not sort of step back and say, listen, I think we've got some good policy, we've got some significant changes. Can we give this some time right. to percolate um, and, and 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 do a better job of informing the public and the voters about really who's benefiting from this? That's going to take some time absolutely, in order to get it done. And I think we have to have very much of a different political landscape in order to get to that point. We almost have to think back, you know, to our history Mm -hmm. and other times where at least the thought of changing the tax code or, or tweaking it in some way came up on the agenda to look at, okay, what was the environment? What was the atmosphere around in order to be able to get that? Because I think... There, there is. I think there is. There is want to at least review and look and see what is the best path. But again, right now, it's not going to be able to be pushed forward. It's not. But remember, it took us 
31 years, right? Since 1986 yeah, from to the get last time, yeah. yeah, to get a significant overhaul of the tax regime. And it unfortunately had to move a little bit quickly and probably too quickly. Um, for what folks would deem reasonable to sort of evaluate all the pieces that were put in there and how they would integrate and what our expectations were about growth, et cetera. But because of the the environment we live in, that's yeah. probably the best we're going to do, at least in the near term. But what I would hope that that folks would sort of stand back and say, listen, can we educate not just the public but also Congress yeah. about who – who bears the burden of the tax, right? And I think that's a little bit. We took look at the dollars and cents, and we say, well, the wealthy, you know, they 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 got too much under the last bill. Well, certainly, but if the wealthy, however you def- that's such a loaded term, but let's just say like the top five yeah. percent of individual taxpayers, if I tell you they pay sixty percent of the tax burden, right? That that sort of just sets the different tenor of the, of a debate, and I think that that's what we'd like to see is everybody have. Um, kind of neutral facts, right? right? Here's the facts without political bias. Right. And we, we can have different interpretations of what we think is good or bad, but at least we have the same facts. Right. And and that what you just said there, that's almost the flip of what has been the story right now in that the top 1% hold 90% of all the wealth in the country, whatever oh, yes. the actual number is. But then again, you put the tax burden part on, on it and there's the other side of the story to it. And that's and that's the debate we need to have, right? What what is our goal of the uh, of tax policy? What is right or wrong? And I think it's ultimately, you know, there's three points of tax policy, one of which is happens to raise revenue. And that's something very different from influencing behavior or redistributing wealth. And I think we're really kind of at the redistributing wealth debate right now. And I'm not necessarily thinking that's the right way to to set policy, um, you know, incentivize uh, economic policy, at least for business. Great seeing you again. Thanks for coming in. Oh, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Jennifer Bluen, uh, accounting professor here at the Wharton School. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.